It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Whitney Lordson. Today, I have a guest I'm really interested in speaking with because he represents something that I don't think I've covered much on this show with Dr. Barry Tan. He has so much background in nutrition, in understanding science, how our bodies work, what benefits our bodies. And he asked me before we started recording how often I cover nutrition. And I said, well, it's been a while because I've been focused so much on the emotional side of our health, the mental health side of things. And it's so refreshing to have you here, Dr. Barry, because First of all, your passion for what you do is contagious. I noticed that before I even met you, just through your website, just comes through with, I don't know if it's the photos or the colors you use on there, but there's so much about what you do that makes me interested in it too. (laughs) When I first learned about you, the focus was around your knowledge on vitamin E. And I thought, huh, how do I make vitamin E interesting? (laughs) But I don't need to make it interesting because you make it interesting just by talking about it. And I know that you also have knowledge in your cancer research, in fatty liver disease and high cholesterol, chronic conditions like that. And I'm curious from my understanding, does vitamin E touch all of those things or are they kind of separate areas of your work? First, thank you for inviting me. And I hope that this would be an enlightening time for you and I, as well as for your faithful listeners that follow you like that. And you asked the question, vitamin E. Vitamin E, some other compounds in nature are even more complicated. Vitamin E has certain nuances, but not difficult to understand. Vitamin E are two classes of compound. The one is called tocopherol. So if you have your cereal in the morning, you look on the nutritional panel, you'll see tocopherol on it. So that will be the common one. And if people know vitamin E, that would be the vitamin E they know. The other one would be a mouthful of a word called tocotrienol. Tocotrienol, the trien just means the in the tail. It has three double bonds. I'll show you a picture of an actual vitamin E molecule. If I go closer to the screen, you can see where my finger is. It's got a double bond here where my pinky is and where the other one close to my mouth, there's another double bond there. So there's three double bond on the tail. If I go off screen this way, that's the antioxidant part, how this oxygen here protects free radical, particularly protecting fat. So that's a very short understanding of what vitamin E is known as. It protects fat. And so there's this it protects fat from going bad, going rancid, like that. So there are tocopherols and tocotrienols. 
Tocofro has been known for some 50 years before tocotrienol, so it captures most people's imagination. So that in case, as in most of the audience these days are well read because of the internet like that. So you probably read that late 1990 and early 2000, Tocofro failed. It may even cause women to have breast cancer and men to have prostate cancer. If you go back, you still see it. That is Harvard and Boston VA hospital study, huge study, a health professional study. In those studies, they only use alpha tocopherol, the most common alpha tocopherol like that. So that's the background. And so I thought that my tocotrienol will be like a baby thrown out with the bathwater because I was studying this while I started my career at University of Massachusetts as an assistant professor, first in chemistry, and then I moved on to food science and nutrition. So fortunately, I persisted and tocotrienol yield the fruits of benefits that you mentioned earlier on in chronic condition. Be thrilled to talk about some, all of these parts, but basically Vitamin E is tocopherol and tocotrienol. Tocopherol first known exactly 100 years ago, 1922, and then 100 years ago, and tocotrienol about 50 years after. I started my career 1982 on tocotrienol. And 1982 to today is quite a number of decades. So I've stayed with this compound eccentrically sometime and sometime somewhat lonely because it's difficult for you to love something of human nature. And if it's some genetic disease and some very rare thing get less and lesser. So when you talk about an inanimate compound that cannot speak back, very few people go there with you. But right now, it had yield fruits of benefits to people. And then I'm finding people having interest and a love for this compound that was not there before when I started. Great to look forward to this, you know. As I said, your love for this topic is so intriguing to me because <laughs> I can't relate to that. For me, I mean, in terms of vitamin E, of course, I have my loves for oddities. And what you're mentioning of that lonely experience for you doing this for 40 years, you must deeply enjoy it because to do anything for that length of time is impressive. And to do it when it feels like you're one of the only ones doing this, you're maybe there's not a lot of people that get excited about it. <laughs> and I'm curious, what is it that makes it so exciting for you to, to dedicate so much of your life to this subject matter? Thank you for asking that question. It's a good one. And sometimes other podcasters would forgot to ask me this, and then I forgot myself. When I remember, I tried to. And I'll put it in the simplest way I know. A lot of us have opened a textbook, even though we may not be scientists, and then you see a picture of a cell. The picture of a cell kind of looked like a bean, maybe a kidney bean or lima bean or something. It looked like bean shape. And inside the cell would be the nucleus that make you look like you and me look like me because it all the DNA stuff in it. And then they had mitochondria that make energy and all these other wonderful stuff contained inside the cell. But in each of these cells, every person, whether they are 120 pounds or 180 pounds, they contain 38 trillion cells. 
38 trillion is a big number. It's about 5,000 times the population of the Earth. So this is give you some manageable. And my son just told me the other day that the world population just reached 8 billion people. So it's about 5,000 times the population of the Earth are the number of cells in one human body. And let's say the cell look like my mouse here, like that. So if you look at the on the side here, that outside here, that is a cell wall. So you need to have a cell wall for nutrient to go from the outside to go in the cell, and then the waste generated inside the cell to go out. Another shorthand way to say this, for the cell to function properly, you must have a good gated community. The nutrient goes in and the waste goes out in the simplest way I can tell you. Now, so what is this cell wall? The cell wall is 80% fat. It's got a phosphate group that likes water on the outside. And then the tail, think of a picture of a sperm or a tadpole. The head sticks out in the water and the tail, which is very lipid, oil-soluble, sticks in. Now, you just park that for a moment and then you sag way like this. We all probably hear that there are three main food groups. The U.S. government tell us that like that, protein, carbohydrate, and fat. And I may add a fourth one. That would be nucleic acid. People don't usually think about that because when we eat meat, you eat a lot of DNA material, and then the nucleic acid is used for us to make our DNA. We replenish our RNA, DNA, and all this other wonderful stuff. But usually we re- think about the other three. So you have four groups. Of these four groups, nucleic acid, protein, fat, and carbohydrate, of all four of them, they all can be oxidized. Oxidation is the phrase we use that when something gone bad. And oftentimes the audience also is bewildered because everything people talk about is an antioxidant. So they don't really know what exactly this is. I'm going to cut to the chase to help people to understand in a simple way. We need oxygen to live. Without oxygen, we cannot live. We have to have it. The only exception would be plant. Planet the opposite. We exhale carbon dioxide. They love carbon dioxide. And then when they take carbon dioxide, they release oxygen. Then we take the oxygen. So I'm very grateful for plant. <laughs> if plant cannot do that, I'll run out of oxygen fast. So we have house plant and outdoor plant and everything like that. So now, because we need oxygen, approximately one in every 10,000 oxygen is going to go wacko. That oxygen that go wacko Scientists refer to that as an oxygen-free radical. That means that it's very active, it's going to satisfy its activity and become not active again. So that oxygen is going to look for the lowest lying fruit to get itself not active again. And the lowest lying fruit of the four food group is fat. In other words, the first thing in your body to go bad would be your fat. So there would be, in Massachusetts, 300 years ago, there'll be the Minutemen. They're the first to go first, like that. So it'll be like this. So therefore, in my judgment, I don't want any part of my body to go bad. We all understand that. Just try to think of it. If my DNA is messed up, 
I am in really bad shape because the DNA is right in the nucleus inside. It's like in the holy of holy. By the time it get there, then it's really bad shape for me already. But on the cell wall are all the fat. So therefore, a good signal to something go bad is they go after the fat and the tocotrienol vitamin E. They're right on the fat to protect them from not going bad. Therefore, you have a good functional gated community so that your cell will function properly. So, one last thing before I pass on to you: Why vitamin E to do this, and why not other antioxidant? In the 1980s, there was an Austrian professor. His last name is Esterbau. I forgot his firm. Helmut Esterbau, very German-sounding name like that. He asked the question: In the cell wall, they need protection. What are the kind of antioxidant that reside there? I'm so grateful he did the experiment. When he did, listen to this carefully: ninety percent or more than ninety percent. Of the antioxidant on the cell wall that I spent so much time explaining to you, they are vitamin E molecule, and less than ten percent of those antioxidant, they would be carotenes like beta carotene and lycopene, or coenzyme Q10, which our body makes. So after that, I got it. So that's my passionate because you asked me the original question why. So my original passion was. My goodness! If greater than ninety percent of it protects me from doing well, and they look like vitamin E molecule, I got to stick around and study this and figure how this would help me. So that's it. So that passion has never gone away, and to this day, it still serves me good. In another year, I'll be seventy years old. I hope that will give me a good brain so that I would not be suffer from dementia. I don't have any physical ill like that. I'm probably the only. Living person walking that have taken toco try no longer than anybody else like that. But so far, it has blessed my life, and I did all these wonderful studies. And it looked like when you ask me, I can tell you the different function it can do. But sorry, it's a long way to tell the story why I got into this study. I love listening to your stories, and I have a few different directions. I can't wait to go in. The first one is. When you're talking about brain health too and fat, I have a, a limited understanding of the things that you're so knowledgeable about, which is why I'm so thrilled to have you here because I barely understand vitamin E, and I'm already getting a better idea through what you described. I remember vitamin E as something for the skin, right? That's how it was explained to me as a benefit, but. You're telling so many other benefits, and one that I'm especially curious about is the impact it has on brain health. And my knowledge around like how fat's important for brain health. So I imagine that's all interconnected: the vitamin E and the fat. Let me answer briefly on the brain health and the skin health. The skin health thing is simple because your eyes can see the skin. So when you put the vitamin E on the skin, it dermatologically, topically goes in the skin, and it will still go on the cell wall. The skin cell will still look like a cell. It just go on the cell wall, and it make the skin cell supple. So what the audience see when they apply on is the hand feel soft and supple. So basically, it as an antioxidant on the skin. So that's. Earlier days, why people felt their skin health, and it's used many aspects that people use on skin, including using tocotrienol on skin. The brain health thing is a more recent advent. We and others have done experiment. 
other people have done experiment. It's very good experiment. I'll just tell the experiment that we did. When I say we, we have other researchers doing it in University of Texas. An audience can go on the internet to Google this. It's called the Morris, M-O-R-I-S, Morris Maze. So it basically is about one meter, one yard, a circular thing. So just think of a pool. So you blow, the water move in one direction. And then you have rat, and the rat will swim against the current. They never swim with the current. They swim against the current. And initially, this was invented by somebody called Morris, probably for psychology experiment. So now you have a circular pool, about only about one meter diameter. So the, and then the rat will swim in against the current. The rat doesn't want to swim to exhaustion and drown. So they're looking for something to get out of the water. And you put a flexi glass, which is same color as the water, that you can't see the flexi glass. So you stick something on the wall, a different color, and eventually you change the color. You can do all kinds of experiment. Eventually you put a color that indicate that if you recognize that color, you will recognize as a flexiglass about an inch below the water, and then you train the rat. So for the one that is in control group, which means you did not give them any tocotrienol vitamin E, they're going to swim and it takes them maybe five weeks of training and then they figure it out. And then if you give them a tocotrienol vitamin E, they'll take like about two weeks to figure it out. And then if you give them another compound, if we got time to do that later, a Jaranol, Jaranol, this compound GG, they take about 2.2 weeks. So they figure it out. So from there, we judge that given supplemental vitamin E tocotrienol, they improve their memory and their recognition of how to find their place. So this and some other experiments other people have done give me hope. And why do I have so much hope in the brain? The brain is one of the fattiest organ in the human body. Remember I said before, it's the easiest one to get oxidized. And so if the vitamin E goes to the brain, you have the best chance to protect the brain from oxidative damage. So as we grow older, when we talk about conditions like Alzheimer, Parkinsonian, and Huntington disease, you know, we have not done all the studies that can be done, but enough to make suggested that the tocotrienol can help to protect or prolong our ability from losing memory as we age. Deeply fascinating. And I can see more and more why you've been doing this work for so long, because there's so much to learn, to discover, to research. And so I want to go back a little bit because something you said earlier triggered a question and might take me a moment to get there because there's a few elements here. So you were mentioning the power of plants, which I'm very passionate about plants too. And my passion for that is growing as I understand the benefits, not just to eat, but to be around them. I read a wonderful book, I think it was called The Nature Fix, that did all these studies on how beneficial nature is for our physical and mental health. And one thing that I was thrilled about is at the end of the book, it talked about Singapore, which I had the honor to visit a few months ago. And that ties into you because I know you were born and raised in Malaysia, which is just north of Singapore. And my, now that I have a general understanding about that part of the world and see how much they prioritize plants, how Singapore is built like 
basically around plants. They've added so many plants to that city to really take in all of the benefits of it. And I'm curious what Malaysia is compared to Singapore. And then I want to hear more about your story with plants. But first, let's talk about Malaysia. How long did you spend there, born and raised, before you came to Massachusetts or other parts of the U.S.? I only live, visited many, but only live in three countries in my life. And I was born in Malaysia when it was called the Malay Peninsula, when the British were still there. So the British gave the country back to the Malay Sultan. And so then it became from the Federation of Malaysia. I mean, the first form in Singapore was part of the Federation, but a year, and then they separate out from it. And the other two that joined the Federation were the independent country that time called Sarawak and Sabah, what is today called East Malaysia. So they stay put. So Brunei did not join because they are oil rich. They didn't want to join. It's part of a British protectorate. And Singapore exited from Malaysia like that. And I... Grew up there, done my high school and my undergraduate degree and my PhD were done in the wonderful country of New Zealand. So I was there for eight years to do all my undergraduate and graduate school. Loved the place, not a lot of people, lots of green everywhere. Of course, the agriculture is very different from uh, Singapore and Malaysia, a little bit like Montana and Washington state. Similar, lots of apple, sheep farming, stuff like that. And then in the last, I couldn't believe it, time had passed. The last 40 plus years, I've actually lived just right here in Amherst, Massachusetts. But before I came here, I went to Auburn, Alabama to do my postdoc. So my first entry to United States is right in the Deep South. So whatever your understanding of the Deep South is, I was right there next to Selma, Alabama, Tuskegee Institute, rich history, a past that is not much endeared a lot, but there I was. Auburn University is a wonderful school, big football country. I did my postdoc there. That's where I learned about cancer research. And then I came to Massachusetts 1982 and never left. So I've been here 40 over years love Massachusetts. I just have to live with the cold a little bit in the wintertime, but otherwise it's good. The fall, beautiful foliage and stuff like that. Summertime is beautiful. And I still get to visit Malaysia and Singapore. I have friends there. My sister still live in Malaysia. I have some business in Indonesia. So my next trip probably would be in, in next March or something like that. So I didn't learn about plants. Malaysia is a much bigger size country, so they have plants everywhere. And because of the tropics, it's prolific like that. But I personally have great appreciation for plants for the reason that polymath, no. But I have multi-interest. When you talk about mammal, they have to have oxygen. They have hemoglobin blood. And then they have to have a heart and then they're cardiovascular. Even a worm has it. But a plant has no heart. They don't need hemoglobin. They need to photosynthesize like that. But a plant cannot move from place to defend itself. That you can run away from something, flight and fright like that. There's no flight and fright of plant. So for them to stand and fight, <laughs> not flight and fright, they stand and fight. Stand and fight means that they must make chemical. 
They make chemicals that are poisonous. They make chemicals that repel. They make chemicals that attract. They make chemicals that do all these things that I mentioned about because they can't move to another place. So that have great fascination for me. So I try to do this, and I know this time will never have enough time to do it. From this lovely plant that I discover, vitamin E, called anato, uh, like that, we use in the West almost thoroughly in making cheese for the yellowish color of cheese, an orange color. So when I remove the color, that's when I found the vitamin E, and then I found this another compound called GG. That's good for the elderly for building muscle mass like that. And even after I've done that, am I blessed or what? I still find some fraction that is not this and not that, and it had insect repellent. So see all this the lovely plant makes. And I usually don't talk much about the insect repellent. I'm coming back to revisit it now. So to see how it repels insect, because mosquito, for example, is a vector of many diseases. The most recent one we heard from the Rio Olympic, the Zika virus. But before that, malaria, typhoid, many different things. So anyway, I've gone straight off to other things, but I have an enormous love for plan. In a way, sometimes even a little bit, it sounds funny to other people. When I look at a plan, I speak the language of plan. I can sometimes feel they probably make things like this. Now, that is not a verbal communication. If they're verbal communication with plan, then maybe something wrong with me here. But I can look at the plan and I can intuitively know that there's something very crucial. The plant does this and that. So that is a kind of language you have to understand why the plant is making that for their protection, for their attraction, for their repellent, for their whatever. So I find that fascinating. <laughs> I find that fascinating too. And I feel like I've started to appreciate plants on a whole another level. And it's thanks to visiting different parts of the United States and seeing how different the landscape is around this country, but also being able to visit other countries like Singapore. And I went to Costa Rica this year as well. And just noticing the jungles and how different things are. I went to this year on a trip to across the United States. And I visit a lot of the national parks. And one of the best parts of the national parks is all the plants. And the place that really stood out to me was Washington State. They just have these incredible trees and the greenery comes down and you feel something different. So what you're describing of just, if you can stand there and look at the plant, not only feel it, but I love what you're saying about the language of it, paying attention to all the little details about why this plant is structured the way it is. And what we can learn from that, I think that's wildly fascinating. I love that part of your story, a huge part, as you're saying with the Anato, is so interesting because on your website, you write how you touched it and the color came off on your fingers. And that's, they call it the lipstick plant. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, because it's so red. Yeah, you can see. I know I'm pretending if you see that. If I touch it, it's stained. And that's how was the context of my discovery. While I'm at this, I should tell you this. The color is part of a family of chemical called 
carotene, carotenoids. The audience will know carotenoids every day in your eating. The orangey color in carrot is beta carotene. The reddish color in your tomato is lycopene. And the one on, in your retina is the lutein and zeaxanthin to prevent macular degeneration. These are all carotene. And then in lobster and crustacean, they are astaxanthin. Notice that? If you put the, the lobster, you cook it, they turn from yucky green or blue color in shrimp, and then they become brilliant orange color. If you come to visit New England in the month, second week or third week of October, then the trees turn green to become beautiful, orangey, yellow, many hues of color. They're all carotenes on the plant. But notice this, two weeks after that, they all turn brown and then the leaf fall. But a month before, they were all green. So what is that saying? The carotene was always there. It was masked by the chlorophyll. So the carotene was there to protect the leaf from not being destroyed by the UV light. So that is the carotene is a sunscreen for the leaf. See that? So human beings don't have it. Now, right now, I'll speak in favor of the plant. It makes human beings feel like your talk say uncomfortable. I'll make you feel uncomfortable here. Plants never make things for human beings. We just got it into our head they do. We should be grateful we got stuff from the plant. Plant only makes things for itself. <laughs> so when vegan talk, all this fantastic thing of a plant like they were there because the plant loved them. We're nuts. The plant makes things for themselves. They don't make things for human beings. Vegan eat the plant. My goodness, you eat them. They're not going to make things for you. They make it for themselves like that, to protect themselves, this and that. So the carotene is a sunscreen for the leaf, not die. But the hormone sets in the fall. And then many people, oh, plants have hormone? Yeah, plants have hormone. The whole hormone sets in. You say, okay, it's time to dial down. We got to hibernate for the winter now. Then the leaf, it kills the chlorophyll. The chlorophyll shuts down. And then the carotene shows up for two brilliant weeks. And then notice that two weeks after that, they all turn brown. That's telling me that carotene is probably the most unstable compound on earth. It was only there to do the job and then it's over. Now, with all those background understanding, I found this carotene. This carotene is not bound to anything. Unlike the carrot you cook them, if you touch it, it stains you. And the British called it the lipstick plant. So when I was in South America looking for lutein and zeaxanthin, which is another carotene, in the 1990s, I see a much younger me with lots of hair then. I found this for marigold flower like that. I did find what I went to look for, but fate has it about 30 feet away from me. I saw this anato plant. I went to look for something and something else caught my attention. I did. So I said, wow, this anato plant is carotene. And then it stains my finger. That means it's not unwrapped inside a cell or bound to a protein like in lobster. Only when you cook them, it deproteinate. So that means it must be very powerful antioxidant. At the time, I was guessing it's a polyphenol. Surprisingly, it wasn't. I took some back, I analyzed. 
And most surprisingly, it's a vitamin E. And most surprisingly, it only contains tocotrienol without any tocopherol. So it's tocopherol free. By this time, I had already been studying tocotrienol. I found them in rice. I found them in palm. However, they contain 25 to 50% tocopherol. Indianato is free of tocopherol. That year was 1999 or 1998. So from then on, I did not start studying tocotrienol then, but I discovered this from Anato then. And then from that day until today, I systematically had gone on to extract this compound and study all the different chronic conditions that you mentioned. So for me, even though the, the study was there, I always remember I did not go to South America to look for it. And I'm not really at heart a medicine man. I can craft a story like that. And then I cannot speak a word of Spanish, but I happen to be in Peru. And if I were to go to Asia, there's lots of this kind of thing there, but that's not where I went. I went to South America looking for lutein, and then this plant on my face, and then they forgive me. I can't speak a word of Spanish. So when now, 20 years later, 25 years later, I discovered this. How do I feel about them? How do I feel about it? I feel a sense of obligation and a sense of gratefulness. Nobody need to show me this plant. I just was in the right place at the right time. I asked the right question. And now, what a blessing. There are 50 million chemicals on earth. I did not go to the Amazonia, bitten to death by mosquito, and then discover something and write all kinds of story like that. It wasn't like that. It was just like exactly as I told you. And the plant is very lovely. See this? And then to show you there's Amazonian, I show you, that's an Amazonian tree frog. That seed, the anato seed, is about the size of a grape seed. So therefore, this tree frog is but about penny or a dime. It's very small. And then this is my discovery time. You can see a much younger me here on a beautiful plant. And it's an old primitive plant. The Inca used it to color their marking on their society. And then he, here's an Inca boy. He put decoration on the head. You can see from the bottom here, the anato seeds. And probably he may have done this as well to repel mosquito because of the anato I mentioned to you. So all of this, I don't know. I just bought postcard picture. I did not take those pictures. I bought postcard. I said, wow. But if you go online, there are a lot of Hispanic food that use anato for coloring. So if the audience is a curious, you can go to any Hispanic store. Ask them, do you have anato seeds? Go online and then you can cook all the dishes. If he or she at the store does not understand you when you say anato, just use a Spanish word. The Spanish word for anato is called achote. A-C-U-I-T-E, achote. Just say achote, the instantly will know it. So sometimes if you go to eat Mexican food, you notice that the fried rice is a little bit reddish orangey hue. If you go to a Chinese restaurant, the fried rice is usually light brown color because they don't put that in. But if you have a Hispanic type fare, you can see that. Sometimes they put it in empanada. They put it in many things. A pound of tortilla, if you go to South America like that. So I fell in love with this planet. And then who would have guessed after you remove the color with all the benefit 
you have this vitamin E and it was intended there to protect the plant. Oh, I never got to tell you this. Last story. You know why the plant makes it? L look at this plant again. This is a fruit. There's something very unusual about this fruit. It doesn't have a flesh. Just think of every and any fruit that you eat. We eat the flesh. And that's called the mesocarp, the flesh. But this one here is a whole bunch of seeds and a coating on the seed. And then there's no fruit. Where the fruit is almost like air. You know why the plant does it? The plant is trying to conserve making fructose and glucose in the flesh and make the seed smell very floral so that the plant deceives the birds of the air and the Amazonian tree frog so that they think that the seed is a fruit, swallow it whole and poop it to procreate. That's it. And the color is to make it feel like it's a, like a fruit. Isn't that fantastic? <laughs> that is fantastic. <laughs> you said earlier about sometimes you feel lonely and all of this, but it's just so contagious, your interest in this. And actually, I have a little side note question. As you were talking about coloring the rice, I'm curious about if there's any sort of, maybe not because they're completely different plants, but I started thinking about saffron and I've been learning a little bit more about saffron and how it's very common as a coloring in rice in certain cultures and how there's actually some mental health benefits to saffron I've learned recently. And it just makes me think about like how these colors, we'll use them maybe for just the appearance, we'll use them maybe for the flavor, but then these plants have all of these additional benefits that many of us are not aware of. And when you were talking about the color changing of the leaves in fall, for example, and the impact it has for the plant, it was just really compelling. And when you're describing how plants are not making things for human beings, they're making them for themselves, and we just happen to get some benefit from them. That's really wild. On the saffron thing, it is definitely a very Indian fare. They use it to color a little bit of the basmati rice that you go to Indian restaurant to eat. But saffron is very expensive, difficult to grow. I think that it's also a carotene, but difficult to grow. So they'll stain the basmati rice a little bit uh, reddish. But this anato, it is a natural color, not a synthetic color. So Finally, after all these decades, craft food is changing the yellow color of macaroni and cheese. They use anato now, the color. After all these decades, they finally change like that. And Whole Foods and Trader Joe only use natural color. You still see the synthetic color staying color and they're brilliant, like M&M Mars. Yeah? Those colors are stunning to look at. But natural color does not have that stunning present, like strong green, strong yellow, strong blue. It doesn't have that. But anato is probably as red and as orange as you can get. So next time when you go and get a piece of cheese from Whole Foods or Trader Joe, just go to the back and look at the color. It will say anato color. And then you'll remember <laughs> what I talked about. So... <laughs> I love that you're making it like scavenger hunt or like getting somebody to think about it because the word anato is familiar to me. I didn't really know why. And so when I was reading it in your work, I thought, huh, it's never 
been explained to me in the way that you have today. And now you see all of these big benefits. It just, it makes me wonder how many things that we take for granted have these deep roots and history and purpose beyond what we're actually using it for. It must make your work so fascinating because I think the final question I have for you right now is, what does the future hold for you? Been doing this work for so long. Do you see any signs of stopping? Is there something that you hope to accomplish before eventually you end your career in in this line of work? Or do you see this as a lifelong mission where you're just going to keep going even if you're not doing it for work? Yeah, I had asked that question. How about it? If you give me two moments, I would say, before I answer that question, on the vitamin E toco trienol, if you ever were to go out there to look, make sure it say anato toco trienol. You can always go to my website, American River Nutrition, it lists all the company that sell it. We don't make finished product. When we make them, it's a huge bucket. Companies, people who buy from us are companies, and then they make their product. Make sure it say Anato Toko Trino. We are the only company in the world making it in the United States here in Massachusetts. And our brand name is called Delta Gold because key vitamin E is called Delta Toko Trino. Hence, we call it Delta Gold, just as it trademark. And then we had used it to study pre-diabetes, people with high cholesterol and triglyceride called dyslipidemia. We also study people with diabetes. And now we are studying people with fatty liver disease. People with diabetes are 35 million. Pre-diabetes and separately fatty liver, they are probably 90 to 100 million. So it's a huge subset of American with this condition. We are trying to address this. And in short, this clinical study proved that it worked. The amount that people take typically is from 200 to 400 milligram based on the studies that we have. Separate to this, we also study cancer research, particularly on stage four cancer, which means that no options available. And the four or five cancer conditions that we and others do ovarian cancer, breast cancer, common of of women, and then men and women, colon cancer and lung cancer. And the deadliest of them also studied by my colleague in Florida is a pancreatic cancer. So those are the five cancers we study. Animal study, there are almost a hundred different ones, but we have to choose our battle to fight what to study when it comes to human clinical trial. I thought that when I done this, Whitney, I thought that, okay, I'm approaching 70, I should retire now. But when I was extract, removing the color from this plant, I removed the color and then I found out the vitamin E that protect the color. I noticed that when I extract the vitamin E, I still have a percent or two of something that looked like corn oil. And then I tried to look, I was curious because I'm also a chemist. So this is the part that intuitive is good, but you have to be a chemist to look for things. Otherwise, it just looked like oil. And then we found out that the chemical is this chemical here. It's a very simple, very ancient, primitive uh, compound called gyroneal gyranol. You can acronize this to GG. This compound, the plant mix, which I found from Anato, this compound, the human body also makes. So because the human body make, I was highly curious to know why the human body make this compound. 
And in the background, if I stand back, that's a long molecule of CoQ10. If I put the GG next to it, so approximately two and a half times the size of the tail is the CoQ10 compound. So the human body use GG to make CoQ10, this in short. The human body also use GG to make vitamin K2. And time here doesn't permit me to talk about this. If you Google vitamin K2 and you find out all the wonderful things K2 can do, you will automatically want to have an interview with me another time on this GG. And let me tell you the last one. And the last one, we are all interested once we pass the age of 30. And the older we have, even if you may be young, just think of your elderly parents. You know exactly what I mean. They lose muscle mass. And the scientific word for loss of muscle mass is sarcopenia. S-A-R-C-O-P-E-N-I. Penia means loss of something. Sarco is probably the Latin word for muscle. Sometimes they use a myo. You can call it myopenia. But sarcopenia is a common word like that. American population are going older. A little bit hiccup because of COVID like that, but they're going older and Japanese and even in China and elsewhere, people are getting older and the loss of quality of life compromise how they can live. And one of the major way they have lost a quality of life is they lost so much muscle mass, they cannot walk and thrive properly. That's it. People don't usually connect that kind of dot. That is an important dot. As I'm getting older, I try to have exercise to walk like this. And so the point is, GG is required in the body for the synthesis of skeletal muscle. The shortest I can say. Then I said, wow, when I discovered this plant accidentally more than two decades ago, I would never have guessed inside it, hidden after something, hidden after hidden, is a compound that a human body also happened to make. We just don't make enough as we age, and we therefore don't make enough CoQ10, vitamin K2, and make enough muscle. So I just thought, so right now, to answer the question you posed to me, am I going to retire not until I've done everything that I possibly can to know what GG can be useful to people. If I can make that contribution, then I felt that I'm not in my 20s. I cannot run like the young stallion, but I'm in my 60s, right? Very soon, 70. If I can make a contribution to the elderly population that can resist muscle mass loss, wow. I think that would be a good legacy. Then I pass the helm to other people that can do wonderful things like that. And then probably my wife and I will sail into the sunset and do something else. But to answer your question, not quite yet. Until I do something and make the great... I'm thinking of this and enthusiastically because I felt a responsibility. I felt that the plant doesn't need to tell me that this thing to me, but it did. But because it did, I felt that I have a duty to figure out how this can benefit human being. And if when I can do that, I will be glad to do that. I will be a happy guy. 
we already seem like a happy guy. So it's just so wonderful to think of how you want to continue on with this. And you're so dedicated, just using the terms like contribution and duty and responsibility. It's really amazing. This is why it's been such a pleasure to have you on the show. And you mentioned your wife. There was a quote, I think, on your website I read that said, I have two loves in my life, my wife, Elizabeth, and tocotrienols. Is, am I saying that right? Tocotrienols? Is that how you pronounce it? Tocotrienol. Trienols. Is tocotrienols a different thing or is it just a mispronunciation? No, same, same thing. Sometimes people say tocotrienol. Some British people call it. I just default and say, by the way, tocotrienol were discovered only in the 1960s. University of Liverpool and USDA my colleague, and he's in his 80s, he's still active in research, a Pakistani professor at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. So this tocotrienol discovery, the research before it landed on my shoulder, is a very American thing, including the discovery of vitamin E. I never said that vitamin E was discovered by two pediatricians at UC Berkeley, like that, in 1922, and they discovered vitamin E, and many audience didn't say this, but did not know this. Tocopherol were discovered and became a vitamin E because it bring the fetus to full term. So it properly, sh most people know vitamin E as an antioxidant vitamin, it is. However, it did not get the status of a vitamin because of antioxidant. It got the status of a vitamin because it is a birth vitamin. So that was the reason. So if you were to say, he said, I interviewed Dr. Tan. He talked about birth vitamin in ways way beyond birth. But it was first discovered and became and given the superstar status of vitamin because it brings a fetus to full term. So therefore, the only time tocopherol should be a woman should or any person which is a woman since a man doesn't have a fetus, a woman should take it in prenatal. So in prenatal, you want the alpha tocopherol there because it brings the fetus to full term. But besides that, people should not be supplementing tocopherol. Instead, they should be supplementing tocotrienol for antioxidant protection and all these chronic conditions that I mentioned to you. <laughs> I'm so happy I remember that because sometimes I didn't say that and people accuse me of demonizing tocopherol. There is a place, but the place for tocopherol is very specific on the prenatal thing. So if you see, anyway, many expectant mom and their doctor will ask them to take prenatal, automatically this alpha tocopherol should be in there. Your memory really is quite astounding. And it seems to me like what better reason to listen to you? Because not only are you knowledgeable, but you retain all this information, which says you must be doing something right. <laughs> so you're talking about the gift for the elderly and the aging and the impact of this for your brain health. And I just feel like you are a walking testament to the power of taking good care of yourself, understanding nutrition, really getting into the science, appreciating plants. You've covered so much today and I've just found it absolutely delightful because you are an incredible ambassador for this because you just have so much. That in itself is such a gift and I'm very grateful 
that you spent this time, it, that you shared all this information. And as you mentioned, you're really just skimming the surface. There's so much more. And you have a book, a free book that you offer. What is included in that book for someone who wants to learn more from you? So from this book here, I put in a lot of references. I describe my discovery as I shared and also describe the various chronic condition and how you reference them so people can look at the studies themselves. You can download the book, just my name, Barry Tan dot com forward slash book. And even if you forget it, if you type my name, because I work on this for so many donkey decades, if you type my name, or if you simply type American River Nutrition, and then if you go to the website, we have even more recent one. We have three different things. Delta Gold would be the Toco Trienol. That's just our trade name. The other one is GG Gold, which is trade name. It's a GG. And then the third one I mentioned about CoQ10. We add CoQ10 to GG so that it's called dual quinol. Because you said that your audience, I will say this, some of your audience may want to know this. Many people take statin drugs. Statin drugs they take because their cholesterol is high. And statin inhibits cholesterol synthesis. And the pathway where cholesterol is synthesized one step below, unfortunately. If it's one step above, then if you inhibit, it doesn't go back up. If you inhibit here, it'll go down. Just think of Interstate 95. It's the most traffic highway in the entire United States. So if you inhibit, you statin, it inhibit Boston. Just think of it figuratively. And then somewhere in New York City, in the New Jersey Highway, 95 to go there, that is GG. GG inhibition will be obligatory because you have to inhibit at Boston. And then further down in Virginia, that's a synthesis of CoQ10. And further down in Atlanta, before you even get to Florida, is skeletal muscle. So if you inhibit cholesterol in Boston, cholesterol drop like mad. Everybody knows that. But they will obligatorily inhibit GG. And since GG is responsible for both the synthesis of CoQ10 and skeletal muscle. That is the reason why your doctor who gave you statin is worried. Do you have any myopathy? Myopathy just means something funny, something is damaging your muscle. And then if you go and see, your holistic doctor will measure your CoQ10. Guess what? CoQ10 dropped and myopathy is because of statin reducing the synthesis of GG. That's it. So if you got this, you'll know what to do. So if you go to my website, you can download the paper. So if you are a fearless person, you want to read to the bottom of all the study, just go online and download the study. And then if you don't understand parts of it, you can send me an email or give that study to your health professional and let him or her read it and ask him or her to know, is this full of truth and veracity? And if it is, then you consider taking. So I encourage people to do that so that you walk into something very learnedly. So thank you for allowing me to put in the last piece there. So I feel that it's important. It is very important. And for the listener, I've linked to his website in two places to make it really easy. One is right below the podcast player in the description, or if you're watching the video, which I feel like, Dr. Barry, 
you have done so many visuals today. You've inspired me to get back on track with the videos for the show, which have been on pause for a while. So I can't wait to upload this to YouTube for people to watch eventually. So regardless of where you're looking in the description, there's going to be a link to Dr. Barry's website, his book, these papers. He's talking about the vitamin E resources, all of this, uh, or Toco Trienols. All of that will be linked for you there, as well as in the show notes where you'll find a full blog post style transcript. If you want to go back and reread any of this, if you want to take it in on another level, it's there for you in written format at wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. And the links to everything he mentioned will be there for you too throughout that blog post and at the very bottom in the resource section. So I've tried to make it really easy for you to take the next steps for anything that you're interested in. And Dr. Tan, you've just been so lovely. I've really enjoyed listening to you today, hearing your story, learning more. It sparked something in me, <laughs> which is a greater appreciation for plants. I was already on that track. And now I just feel like that's been even further elevated. But also just understanding the science of these things and coming back around to the nutrition and the impacts and how we have so many things that we can use to improve our quality of life and keep that going for a long time. So thank you so much for that. It's just been a wonderful gift to have you here on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. I hope that your audience will also be similarly enlightened. And probably towards the end of next year, we would have finished some clinical trials on GG that we just starting now. So most of it, Toco, Trienol, the GG. And so by the time end of next year, if you remember this podcast, you may interview me again. And at that time, we can talk about what we did with GG and then what are some of the outcome of those studies. Be happy to review that when the time comes. So, well, thank you so much. So uh, be blessed. <laughs> thank you so much. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com.